peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This is the sermon podcast for the traditional worship service on September 15th, 2019. The sermon title is Jesus Out Loud, and it's part two of a seven-part worship series called The Neighborhood. The preacher is senior pastor Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, verses 25 through 33. Today's scripture reading is from the middle of Acts 5, and here we see Simon Peter and the apostles in the wake of being arrested over and over and over again. They just had a prison break, and they're teaching, they get in trouble. They're healing, they get in trouble. In this passage, the temple authorities want to know why they're doing what they're doing, and Peter's only too glad to respond. Hear this from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5. Someone arrived and announced to the authorities, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching to the people. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I read about the temple authorities saying to the apostles, why are you doing this? We keep telling you not to do this. It reminds me of that movie Groundhog Day. Do you remember Groundhog Day? It's a movie where Bill Murray plays a weatherman named Phil who's stuck in this little tiny town he does not want to be in on Groundhog Day, and he keeps reliving Groundhog Day over and over and over again until he gets it right. It's a classic comedy. And here, I think the temple authorities are having yet another Groundhog Day with the apostles. They say, we have given you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet here you fill Jerusalem with your teaching, and you're determined to bring this man's blood on us. It's almost like the disciples are pretending they forgot. We told you not to teach in this name. Oh, did you? Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I thought, was that someone else? Oh, I didn't know. And second, isn't it interesting? The authorities can't say his name. Why are you teaching in this name? His blood will be on us. They can't say Jesus out loud. To do so would give him authority, power, The authoritarians attempt to exercise authority, but Peter won't have it. They say, we must obey God rather than a human authority. The authorities must be rolling their eyes at this insolence. We chastise these apostles, they go out and teach. We try to humiliate these apostles, they go out and heal. We try to imprison these apostles. They got out of jail and then they stay on message. Peter then goes one step further 
and he does what they can't. He says Jesus. He names Jesus. He says, the God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him from a tree. The God of you and the God of me, the God of our shared people, of our shared story, that God that you, that God said, you can hang Jesus from a tree all you want, but he's coming back. And you can't stop it, and we're here to tell everyone about it. Why do they have to do this? That's what they, these authorities don't understand. Why do you have to do this? Because they have a strong call, a strong sense of why. Jesus claims them, and their experience of faith matters. And they're apostles out in the world. To claim one's identity as an apostle is to claim one's call from God to be a witness to the good news of Jesus. Now, there are many streams of Christianity where, where that's just a given. You're going to talk about Jesus a lot. That's just a given in some streams of Christianity. There are some high-expectation churches with high-expectation membership responsibilities, and that includes sharing. The thing is, not all, but some of those churches have used the kind of evangelism that bashes people over the head. Maybe you've experienced that. When I was a student at the University of Minnesota, I have very vivid memories of Brother Jed. Brother Jed stood out on Northrop Mall, so as you were going to and fro to your classes, he was out there really, like, the tallest man I've ever met in my life, and very sharp features, and he had a very well-worn Bible, and he would wave it at you, he would wave it at you, and he would talk about whether you're going to be condemned or you're going to be converted, and he could shout, you might be passing by over here, but you'd still hear him way down there. I remember Brother Jed in that form of evangelism very vividly. Maybe you experienced that too. Dr. Mark Teasdale, who is teaching our online live seminar that we're taking on Wednesday nights at 6, in his book Evangelism for Non-Evangelists, he writes of this fundamentalist mindset as a zero-sum game. He says when either one is converted or condemned, there's just no middle ground. If you've ever received that kind of evangelism, I am so sorry you had such hurtful theology lobbed at you. But likewise, if, if you didn't get something better from another church, I'm sorry about that too, because in the face of that kind of evangelism, it appears that many of our churches simply stop trying to share our faith at all. Now, sometimes people have said, well, they, they co-opted it. They took it from us. Maybe we gave it away. Now, here we are nearly 2,000 years later asking why our churches are shrinking, why we're afraid to share about our churches that matter to us, and why we claim ourselves as Christians at all. That's a question going on in churches all over the nation right now. Dr. Teasdale writes that along with some challenging evangelical methods. If you add to this the hypocrisy of the church, that for groups of people who are supposed to be defined by the love of God and neighbor, the church is riddled with failures in living out these commitments. And he reminds us that more and more people are self-identifying as nuns. Now, a quick spelling lesson. When I say nuns, I do not mean N-U-N-S, Catholic nuns, okay? What I mean are the people who, when they give, get a demographic survey, they check out things like income and who they are, where they live. It means when it comes to the box on what is your religious affiliation, instead of 
Buddhist, Christian, Muslim, so on, they're going to check none. No religious affiliation. N-O-N-E. And nuns are, since about the 2010s, have become the fastest growing religion in the United States. More people identify that way than ever. It's becoming, making self-identification as a Christian a less common phenomenon. Because if, if that's what evangelism looks like, the thump in the Bible kind of piece, and if that's what hypocrisy in the church can look like, no wonder many Christians just don't want to share that they're Christian. Here's a fun fact. If a non-fundamentalist Christian goes outside to share their faith and they see their shadow, they go back inside and stay quiet about it for a whole nother year. Don't look that up. I don't know if that's true, but it feels true. <laughs> Friends, apostles have faith experiences that matter to them. Right there in their heart. Their communities matter to them. They love, their love of Jesus matters to them. That's why they can't stay silent. And I think it's the same for people here in this church and many churches around the nation. We have faith experiences that matter to us so much. We have faith communities that matter to us so much. The love of Jesus matters to us because to Jesus, we matter. I get that it's hard to share about faith. I get that it's hard to share about church. I get that it's hard to self-identify as a Christian. Believe me, have you ever been on an airplane and the person asks, what do you do for work? And you've got to decide, do I really want to have a chit-chat about work for the next two hours? Try doing that when you're a pastor. Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? You should try it because half the time they just don't want to talk to you anymore and then you can have a very quiet flight. So what do you do? Oh, you're a pastor? Okay, great. Can I get some headphones? Thank you. In this worship series, we're exploring how we engage with our neighbors. We want to get to know them, pray for them, love them. We want to lead with our faith in the God who loves both us and them as we engage them. And the Spirit helps us to be a good neighbor. Now, fundamentalism Christianity may have cornered the market on the most famous Christian evangelizing out there these days, but I would not say that they're doing it with authenticity. And I'm not trying to divide and make lines here and there, but I'm trying to point out that there are ways to be authentic to who we are in our faith journey to how we share the story. Because when I look at the Greek word for evangelism, euangelion, all that means is the good news. And the evangelist is the one who shares the good news. Converting or condemning someone is very different than sharing the message that Jesus loves you. Dr. Teasdale said last night, or last week rather in our class, evangelism is a bias for the good news of what God has done and is doing to redeem creation through Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. Evangelism is a bias for the good news of what God has done and is doing to redeem creation through Jesus and the power of the Spirit. So that means if it's not good news, it's not evangelism. If it's about condemning, it's not about evangelism. We're not the ones doing it wrong, friends, but it is time for us to also get it out there. 
But how? How do we share about our faith experiences? We know why. We know why. Because faith matters to us, and the good news is for everyone. There's not a single person out there who doesn't deserve the good news. But our method matters. So think about, think about why you have faith and are part of a church, not through manipulation, but inspiration, not because of being coerced or forced or indoctrination, but to follow a compelling why of love. Think about what's important in your life. What, what, do, you, what do you know about? What are you passionate about? And you can articulate about it and why you love, love, love to share about it. It does not take much to say why something is important to us, does it? Uh, your, your, your vocation, your job, your, your favorite ministry here at the church, your favorite sports, your favorite TV show. When we love something, we know how to talk about it, don't we? Star Wars. I know why Star Wars matters to me. I, I will never have to go, hmm, why do I like Star Wars? I will always know. The chance to experience and to share a story that's creative and philosophical and religious and action-packed and humorous and inspiring and honest and poetic and fun and nostalgic and fresh, all while being accessible across time, generations, and cultures, plus there's lightsabers, count me in. <laughs> I know why I like Star Wars. In high school, it came out that in this friend group, a friend had not seen Star Wars yet. And another of our mutual friends could not believe it. And this mutual friend, and I swear this was not me. It's going to sound like me after that preamble, but it's not. One of our mutual friends said to this friend who had not seen Star Wars, okay, stop everything. We're sitting down, and we're going to watch Star Wars right now. That was not me. Again, I want to say it. So we watched Star Wars, and that person who hadn't seen it before, they did not enjoy it. They felt really pressured. I don't blame them either. They, they were not given a compelling why. They were told, it's ridiculous, you haven't seen Star Wars, so we have to sit down and watch it, and there will be a quiz at the end to ensure that you love it. That evangelist used the force to force them to watch Star Wars. All right. How many puns do I get per sermon? Is there a quota? I don't know. So instead of forcing people to love what we love, we can recommend, we can recommend, not invite, but recommend. Those are both very personal, yet they're both very different. So if I say to you at the end of the benediction here, at the end of worship, come back next week and invite a friend, many of you will be chuckling inside and go, <laughs> I don't think so. I'll maybe be back next week, but I don't know if I'm going to invite a friend. Invitations can feel invasive. You know, that kind of puts you and them on the spot, and that can feel so awkward that we rarely invite someone to worship or to be involved in one of the ministries we do. But we love recommending as a culture. There's a writer, Reverend Jim Osier, he's got this book called Clip In, Ra Risking Radical Hospitality in Your Church. It's this book about helping churches who want to become more uh, giving in how they give hospitality, not just to members, but especially to new guests. And the analogy he uses is clip in, and if anybody uh, is really into bike riding, essentially there's this new kind of pedal where you get special shoes and the special pedal, and you actually clip your pedal in, your shoe into the pedals 
So you're clipped to the bike as you're racing super fast. Like you are in it. And if you're going over, you're all going over together. That's the kind of commitment that bike racers have in how they're doing their biking. And he says that's the kind of commitment churches can have for how we're going to deliver radical hospitality. Clip in and don't make it a second thought. Really go for it. And in his book, he's got a whole chapter about turning a church uh, who is maybe afraid of inviting into a church who is really embracing recommending. And we recommend all the time. Uh, you ever go on a tra- you go traveling? You ask people for recommendations, right? So we went to the Black Hills a few weeks ago. We had our itinerary all set. That's the kind of person I am. I didn't ask anybody here for a, a lick of input. Y'all had great ideas for me, though, right? Because you want to recommend from your own experience and share, oh, don't forget to go here. You got to go to this place. It's great. How about uh, you're picking a new restaurant? Do you look for a recommendation? When you buy something, do you read the reviews? Before you see a show at the Guthrie, when you're hiring someone, we seek recommendations and reviews and references. We seek reviews and recommendations from strangers. A few months ago, I was at Costco, and I walk in, and right there at the entrance in this particular Costco, there was a display of pedometers. So it's a step counter. So you either wear it on your wrist like a watch or you put it in your pocket and it tracks your steps as you walk. It's a way to kind of track your health. I love that kind of thing. I love tracking my numbers. And uh, the brand that was all here was Fitbit. And I had a Fitbit at the time. I use my watch now, but I loved my Fitbit at the time. And uh, I saw this guy and he was actually holding in the package the exact same Fitbit that I had. And I had an informed opinion, having used one for a few years. So I walk up to him, because I'm pretty darn extroverted, and uh, I say, oh, you're looking at that Fitbit one? It's, a really, it's pretty good. He goes, yeah, I, I can't decide. There's so many, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I can tell you, I got that one because I had a really nice watch at the time. I didn't want to give up my watch for a step counter, and it goes in your pocket, so it's discreet, and uh, it charges really quickly, and it, as soon as you walk by your computer, it counts all your steps for you, and one time I actually lost it, and the company sent me a new one for free. They're, they're really good. And he looked at it, and he said, that's, that's really great. Thank you. I, I think I'm going to buy this. Thank you so much. And I said, you're welcome. Thank you for shopping at Costco. <laughs> now, I don't work for Costco or for Fitbit, but if we seek recommendations from strangers, think of the impact of recommendations from people who we know and trust. And you don't even have to say the words, I recommend, to recommend something. In the midst of conversation, as people ask you what you do with your weekend, oh, my family goes to uh, Richfield United Methodist Church. The kids just love Sunday school. Oh, I go to Richfield United Methodist Church. I have a good experience just about every time I'm on campus. I'm an unpaid servant at Richfield United Methodist Church. I can get involved and make a real difference in people's lives. I'm thinking about joining Richfield United Methodist Church. I just, I kind of want to dig deeper in my soul. I started worshiping at Richfield United Methodist Church, you know, down the road there uh, this summer, and I've been welcomed since day one. We've been longtime members of Richfield United Methodist Church for decades, and it gives us hope. You don't have to say the words, I recommend to recommend. Did you know that there are two aspects of our church that get recommended all the time? 
So when I go out to uh, online communities like Nextdoor or on Facebook or other places where people are asking, hey, uh, I need some advice on you know, this kind of handyman work. I need advice looking for this and that. There are two that keep coming up. God's Hands Thrift Store and Caring for Children Early Learning Center. Because two prevalent questions in our neighborhood are, I've got a lot of great stuff. Where do I donate it? And I'm having a baby. Who will take care of my baby really well? And people are recommending God's hands and caring for children. And some of those people are members, but not all. Some are people who have experienced God's hands or they've heard the good reputation. Some are parents who are from caring for children or they used to be back in the day and they just uh, expect that it's still quality care. So we have recommendations out there. Now, this is not a contest. We've got a lot of great ministries here. But those are two ministries we have that are answering prominent questions in our neighborhood. We do well to listen to our neighbor's questions and we do well to ask them questions and listen. We always do well to listen. Perhaps if we know our neighbors better, we'll be better able to recommend our church in ways that matter to them. So as Reverend Hope alluded to during the time with children, we all had homework last week, right? So I have my homework. I, I know it's mine because there's this little redhead guy with a beard and I drew blue glasses on him, so that way I know it's mine there. So last week, we gave everybody a blank notebook that says, see all the people on the cover. If you did not get one of these, we have more in the back. We really want you to take these. This is not one of those things where you watch everybody else take it. We really want you to take one of these. And we encourage you to assign a page per household in your neighborhood. So all the units down your uh, hallway or all the houses on your street, on your block, etc. And just fill in what you know. What do you know? Do you know names? Do you know when they moved in the neighborhood? Do you know if they have a dog? So I took a look at it, and I was able to take a look at my block, so my side of the street, across the street, and then the next block up, because right here is where the bus stop is for school. So it's kind of the apex of our lives in a way. And uh, there's a book called The Art of Neighboring by Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon, and they say in this exercise, they say to people, take the eight homes around your home, and try to write down at least first names of those who live there. Just in those eight homes, write down the names. And they've done this exercise with thousands of people. What percentage do you think of those thousands of people could fill in all eight names? 10%. Just 10%. How did you do? Here's how I did. On our side of the street, we're... Uh, there's nine houses on our side. We're in the middle. Our house in the middle of the street. Our house. So uh, four and four. So of those eight, got seven. Seven out of eight. So 88%. Not bad. Cross the street, add another four. So that's, uh, let's see, counting our house, that's 12 out of 18. That's only 66% in terms of names. I've met more than that, but I've forgotten their names. I've got work to do. So here's our new homework, friends. Engage a neighbor in a new way. Get something new to write about in your journal so that you can expand what you know about your neighborhood. If you don't know what to talk about, here are some topics that came up during the sermon. Groundhog Day, Star Wars, air travel, Costco, Fitbit, 
uh, recommendations for travel, restaurants, buying something, God's hands, caring for children, and the Bible. Okay, maybe don't start with the Bible if you're nervous about evangelism, but, if, but you can go for it. I won't stop you. So friends, we have got good news to share. Jesus loves the world. That's the news to share. So let us speak the name of Jesus out loud. May you share the love of Jesus with all whom you encounter by word, deed, and attitude. We have a bias for the good news. May we live it out loud. May it be so, and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, copyright 2019. Now, go into God's world, knowing that you are a beloved child of God, and bear witness to the love of God, so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.